It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the air I know I can count on you Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care But you've got the love I need to see me through Sometimes it seems the void is just too rough And things go wrong no matter what I do Welcome to After Extra Time, your weekly footballing podcast. I'm your host once again, the main man, Greeny. And joining me today is a very, uh, how can I explain it, unusual source, <laughs> Mr. Jack Godfrey. I'm back. <laughs> he's back. I'm back. <laughs> and the um, one who's not with us this week is the Millwall one. He must be at home crying, Jack. Yeah, we kicked him off. Millwall, one win in 15. He's... They're going to end up fighting down the relegation zone with Darwin. I think they might. I don't get this, mate. Jacko likes his stats, as you know. And Millwall won winning 15, but somehow they're above Derby. I don't know. There's a lot, of, a lot of shit teams down there, mate. You know, you look at Derby, you look at, obviously, we lost to Rotherham, and then you look at QPR, yeah. uh, Millwall. Mm. Forest have just picked up a little bit of form as late, but. You know, you've got Wickham down there as well. There's a lot of poor sides down there, Sheffield Wednesday. So, yeah, I think just goes to show that, well, just shows that go to, the teams below Millwall must be really, really bad. So, And obviously, we're in that bracket as well. So, Yeah, I mean, let's let's start with the Championship, Jack. Um, 
something we don't normally do. We normally go Prem. Let's go Championship. Yes. Let's go on to Jacko's team a minute to Millwall. So they lost to Forest three one. Mm. Now, it, that's a, in my eyes, it's a poor result for Millwall. Great result for Forest. Yeah, I think it's a, sort of a, a, a game that's probably. I wouldn't say it's a six pointer, but it's a game that you know means a lot. Mm. Both teams are down there. Um, Chris Shooton's got Forest playing a little bit. Um, they, they seem to have picked up a couple of wins, not lost too many games recently, and they just seem to just I don't know whether they've slowly turned a corner or what, but um, it was needed because Chris Shooton was struggling with Forest. And as much as I love to see it, um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a big win for them. Um, Millwall, mm. I'm sure Jacko has said it, probably you know, he would have said it, but yeah, they look poor. They really do look poor, and I'm, I can't really be sure how much longer Gary Rowett has got. Surely, if the way they keep carrying on, he's he's got to he's got to go. You know, one win in fifteen is, is relegation form. Really, it's not. It's you know they keep losing games of football. Surely, surely Gary Rowett has got to be sacked. And uh, yeah, like Jack, I think yeah. Jacko said on here before that they're heading for a relegation fight. And I think with the form they keep, if they keep carrying on that form, that they're, they're going to be down there and. Yeah, the way they're going, it's it is relegation form and relegation fight. Yeah, I totally agree, mate. And I feel as a weight Cardiff are going, Jack, who are not going great either. Could it be the return of uh, Neil Harris back to the den if um, he got the sack and obviously Rowett got the sack? Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, there's obviously a large affiliation there for Neil Harris. Jacko will tell you as well that you know he loves. Neil Harris, and you know he, he's very thankful for what he did for Millwall, and um, yeah, potentially it, it depends, obviously, whether or not Harris wants to stay in football. If he does, if he does get the sack, or you know, he's he's obviously at a bigger club in Cardiff, and you know they've got bigger budget, etc. They've got a much better squad than Millwall, but he just, yeah, they just don't seem to be clicking. I know they had a, obviously had a tough game at the weekend against Norwich, but yeah, I think you'd be you'd be disappointed mm. with the you know the signings they made, etc. You know your Harry Wilsons, you look at your Kiefer Moore, you know they've brought in some mm. some good loan signings, and yeah, they're just they're just, just struggling. And I think it's a possibility for Millwall. I mean, I'm not saying Rowett is going to get the sack, but I think if they continue the way they are, there's surely there's no other option than to sack him. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, less of Jacko's club. It bores me. <laughs> let's move on to let's move on to your club, Derby, Jack. Obviously, now Rooney's come out, said he's retired. He's took the full time job at Derby. What do you make of his reign so far, mate? I mean, obviously, Koku was in charge at the start of the season. Now you've got Rooney. Do you think it's going up? You, you're getting better. Yeah, obviously, we just had a chat on before we came on air and we started recording that. Mm. I think if you look at the form and look at the last sort of 10, 12 games, you know, when Rooney was sort of interim or caretaker, whatever you want to call it, Derby started, you know, started not losing as many games. They definitely, they went for, I think, went for a run of like five, four or five click games with keeping clean sheets. And that was Derby's main problem previously to, to Rooney taking over was they were conceding far too many goals. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of, him coming in, I think, yeah, he probably does deserve it. Um, I wasn't his biggest fan as manager when he first, you know, when he first said, you know, Koku's gone mm. and he came in and I was like, do you know what? I'm not too sure if that's the right move. But I think the, he's got the fans on board in terms of trying to pick up results. I know we're obviously still down there and we'll talk about the Rotherham result in a minute. But I think, you know, there was 
there's signs there that Derby are slowly getting better. Um, Rooney and Rossini have completely believed that the squad is definitely good enough to avoid the drop. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think he's... I'm not sure whether he's the man for the long-term job. I don't know. But I think, as it stands, yeah, he, he's done a good job. And I think... And I'm hopeful that he can keep us up. Yeah, I mean... Do you reckon he'll be a bit like a Lampard where he'll have obviously links to uh, this time obviously to United and he'll bring up some youth from United and bring it into the Derby squad like Lampard did or do you think he'll not go that way? It just depends how much you know he's still in contact with United. Um, he was obviously of the Fergie area, wasn't he? So he's probably, I think he mentioned in interviews as well that he'd been in contact with Shikes Ferguson and been talking about manager, managerial and appointments and stuff and yeah, I don't, I don't know is the answer to that. I, I don't think Derby will be signing lots of Man United youngsters. I don't. I don't think he has that sort of connection with them anymore. I think it was more, you know, when Fergie was there, etc. So I mean, unless he he knows Oli and he can, you know, phone Oli up and try and get some youngsters, I I don't know. Mm. Mm. I mean, what do you make of the uh, obviously the game? You just touched on it, Jack Rotherham, and you lost one nil. That's a six pointer in your yeah, eyes, yeah. You took the words out of my mouth, mate. I was literally about to say that in that is a six pointer. You know, they were three points behind us with two games in hand. Now they're same points as us, and they've got those two games in hand. So, you know, they win those two games in hand. They're six points clear of us. So, whereas if we'd won, we'd have been six points clear. So, yeah. Uh, if I'm honest, it was a game I expected us to win. Um, I really yeah. did expect us to win. You know, I, I think I read somewhere as well that Rotherham hadn't won at Derby since 1965. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to use it as an excuse, but is the fact that the team hadn't played for 15 days a reason that they were sort of not at it? You know, obviously yeah. we had a nice little bit of form before that. Um, they hadn't played for 15 days. And then, yeah, apparently... You know, looking at that game, they just they weren't their usual selves. They're a bit lackluster, um, a lot of sloppy passes, giving the ball away. The goal was sort of scrappy and sort of a bad goal to concede, especially with five minutes to go. You know, that's a couple of times now that Derby conceded late on. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, like I say, I would have expected us to beat them, and now we've got a tough game. We've got Bournemouth at home tomorrow, so. You know, it's a frustrating result, and Derby is still completely, you know, down there and fighting. But you know, you just got to try and be confident that we're just going to stay up, you know, beat the drop, and then go again next season and go from there. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just touched on obviously the team. I was just about to move on to Jack Bournemouth. Massive shock as well in that game. Uh, Bournemouth losing at home to Luton Town. So they're going to be up for the game against you boys as well after losing, mate. I mean, I don't think you would expect Bournemouth to lose three points over Luton Town. No, especially the way they've been going as well recently. You know, they've been in form and the fact they're at home as well. And I know obviously there's no fans there, but, you know, Bournemouth have got a good home form in the Championship and, you know, they have been playing well. Yeah, it was a shock. I think, obviously, they went down to 10 men. I think, I don't know if you've seen the red card, but it was very, very harsh. Wasn't a red in my eyes. Yeah, I think I did see it. Yeah, I, no, it wasn't a red. No, in my eyes, he sort of gone up for a header and then like caught him with his arm. But it wasn't. There was no intention there to sort of elbow him or leave one on him. It was just sort of the no. way his hand went, and unfortunately, it caught the 
the Luton player in the face, and I don't know what the ref's seen. And, you know, even with, even with ten men, mm. you'd, maybe you'd expect Luton to make more of a game of it, which they did. But um, yeah, it was a shock. Um, obviously, Luton are tenth, eleventh now. So you know, which again is a shock yeah. in itself. But it's, you know, it's nice to see clubs like that doing well in the championship. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I, I don't think Jacko would be happy with that result because he uh, seems to like our slicking. Well, the yeah, yeah, as well. Me and you, obviously, not <laughs> not a massive fan, but I mean, it's a shame no. he's not on it, so we can't have a go with, with that. But yeah, we'll see where we'll see where Bournemouth come yeah. in this season and go from there with that to them. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, then we'll yeah. go at them. Yeah. Um, another, let's touch on another one, Jack. Uh, before we move on, quick to the Premier League, um, another. Fixed what I thought was a bit of a shock was Middlesbrough nil Birmingham one. Obviously, Karanka back at his old club and got and got the win. Yeah, over I, I feel like it's one of those like things that always happen in football. You know, old manager returns and he just seems to pick up the like a pick up a win there against his old club. It's sort of like an old player going back to his former mm. club and scoring. You know, these things tend to happen. But yeah, like you say, mate, it was a shock. Middlesbrough yeah. again, good form. You know, very very strong record at the Riverside. You know, don't tend to. You lose many games up there or drop points at home, and Birmingham, who've been on a really sh- like shocking—I say shocking—but yeah, poor run of fixtures, and you know it's a big win for mm. Birmingham. You know, like I say, Middlesbrough, it's not an easy place to travel mm. to, but yeah, it, it was a shock. I, I wasn't expecting that at all. No, I certainly weren't either, mate. Um, let's move away from the Championship. Let's move to the Premier League, and again, another big shock. My mate, Big Sam. He's got the three points he's been after, Jack, against Wolves, uh, 3-2. I mean, that shocked me, mate. I don't know about you. Yeah, I've obviously come back on the wrong pod, and I'm a big Sam's win, and you're obviously uh, <laughs> buzzing for him. But no, fair, fair play to Wolves. Yeah. I think it was, sorted, it was like a sort of result that they needed to sort of kickstart their season again. Um, they've obviously dropped, you know, fair points, and, you know, they're struggling, and they're always, they're, they probably always were going to struggle this season, you know, just coming up, and then... Going from there, but yeah, I think in terms of a result, you expected Wolves to win, um, especially when they went two one yeah. up. Um, you, second half, you expected them to kick on, but you know, fair play to West Brom. Um, two penalties, which probably were penalties, yeah, and then obviously the um, they've gone on to win the game. So, well, with the penalty, but yeah, it was yeah, I think it was a bit of a shot, but Wolves just. Wolves seem to be very up and down this season. I don't know whether that's... Well, I don't know what it's down to, really. I know that they're obviously probably struggling to score goals because obviously Jimenez is out. Um, obviously, Yotta's obviously left to Liverpool. So, yeah, maybe they're still trying to find them. I think maybe they need some more replacements, maybe. They don't have that strength in depth. Um, but, yeah, yeah. They're just, they seem to be very inconsistent. You know, you, like you said, that you wouldn't really expect them to lose to West Brom at home. No, certainly not. Especially in a dark. Yeah, like well. like you say, it's a big game for Big Sam, and I, I, I'm not saying West Brom are going to end up finishing mid-table, but it was a result that they sort of needed to like kick on, and you know, obviously they're fighting each game, but you know those sort of results can give you a massive amount of confidence, and you can, well, you can go on a run, but you know they need they need points to stay up at the end of the day, and it was a big three points away at Wolves. It's a shame, obviously, there was no fans there for the for the for the derby, but yeah, big three points for Big Sam. Yeah, while we're on while we're on Wolves, Jack, I mean, there's rumours saying um, of the of the manager there that um, his his agent is looking elsewhere for him for another Premier League. 
club. Really? I mean, what well, do you make well, of that? It'd be interesting to see where he would go, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know where he's, where would you see him going at? I don't really know where he'd go. I, I don't think a big club would want him at the minute, mate. He hasn't, he hasn't proved enough for me, in my opinion. I mean, he's proved a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's he got did, a, did, did a really, really good job, season, obviously, but... getting them promoted and stuff like that. And, you know, like you say, took them to Europe and that. I'm a, I'm a fan of him. But mm. for me, mm. I don't know where he would go. I really don't. Um, no. Yeah, interesting, though. And if he does go somewhere, then, you know, let's see where he goes. But, yeah, I'm... I'm not too sure where he would go. That for me, that's that my only. Like, like I say, it's interesting to see where he would go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, moving on, mate. West Ham pick up another win, one nil. Burnley. Um, I mean, Burnley looked to me like an iffy team as well, an up down team at the minute. Like Wolves, West Ham. Moisey's got them playing. Yeah, season, three one nil wins in a row as well. So you know. They're obviously yeah. they're proving hard to beat. Yeah. You know they're keeping clean sheets and yeah, they they, they seem very organised. I think is, is what I'd use. Like I say, obviously the three one nils indicates that three clean sheets. And obviously Antonio yeah. being back is a plus now. He obviously scored at the weekend as well. So yeah, they've got some good players. And I, I think David Moyes is very good at coming into those sort of that sort of level of a club and you know sort of doing well. Like he did that same sort of job at Everton. Um, he's very good at sort yeah. of pr- producing that. So yeah, maybe if they continue the way they're going, then maybe we'll see West Ham, you know, going for Europa League spot. Yeah, I can see the same, mate. To be fair, he's doing well. Um, let's move on. We'll just keep moving on quickly, Jack. I mean, I don't know if this is a shock or not, but let's go to it. Leeds United nil, Brighton one. Yeah. Sort of maybe a shot. I mean, I don't know the way. I think the bubble seems to have burst with Leeds at the minute. Um, maybe they're getting yeah. found out with, with the way they're playing all this attacking football. But Leeds seem to concede a lot of goals. Um, but Bielsa is very stubborn in the in the way they play and the style they play. I don't think that that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, for me, I think from no. a Brighton point of view, Brighton seem to play very nice football, but they don't seem to come away with a lot of points. Maybe they deserve more. Uh, in some games so yeah I actually quite like Brighton in the way they play so yeah I, I don't know if it was a shot probably would have had it down as a draw really um, in my yeah. opinion but like you said Jack touching on Leeds while we're on Leeds touching on them quick I mean like you said it, it's just one way football it's attack and that's it there's no plan B and I think like you say teams have found them out mate and and I'll still stand by it from what I said at the start of the, the year when we're doing the podcast at the start of this season they're going to be at Sheffield next, next yeah, year. Yeah, I, I said they stay up this year, and I, and I still think they will. Um, I think they are mm. at times, you know, good to watch, and you see a lot about how they're very refreshing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But at the end of the day, they are losing games and they are conceding a lot of goals. So, but as I said, Bielsa is stubborn in the in the way they play, and that won't change. Um, I think mm. they probably, uh, yeah, I think they will stay up. I think there's worse teams. Like I think Jacko touched on it before on a episode a couple of weeks ago, saying there are worse teams than them, and I, I completely agree with that. Um, it's just a case of mm. next season if they do stay up, they need to strengthen um, who they bring yeah. in, etc., and how they how they get on. I I think they probably could potentially struggle next season. Yeah, I could see that. Can you can you see Leeds getting rid of Bielsa anytime <sighs> soon or? 
if next mm. season, let's say they're down there, do you think? Because obviously Leeds are yeah, a big yeah. club with history. Surely the owners are going to think, you know, it's time for a change. Let's get some. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, obviously, Bielsa has done one just getting them up, and obviously that's all Leeds fans wanted mm. um, for years. Um, I think at the moment, obviously he's not going to go anywhere. I think them staying up is probably the goal, and if anything else is a bonus. I I think for any sort of yeah. promoted club, unless you've got a ridiculous amount of money to spend or something like that, or you know, you you find some results, or you know, I don't know, your aim's always going to be stay up in the Premier League at the end of the day in your first season. Um, I don't know to be fair. I just mm. don't know whether. Yeah, it depends how bad the situation was next season. Yeah, I mean, there's one one manager who stood, stands out to me. If if he did get the sack, there's one that stands out. Well, I think could possibly do a good job there, which was uh, Eddie Howe. We've mentioned yeah. him in numerous times. Is Eddie Howe? Yeah, because that club reminds me a bit of Bournemouth, the way they've come up, not spent a great amount of yeah. money, and it's more money. In what they've got more money in Bournemouth, Jack, and I just feel Eddie Howe is a. Yeah, I can see that, to be fair. I think think the side that Leeds have is definitely good enough to stay in the Prem. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Howe would Mm. be interesting to go to Leeds, you know. Um, It's probably, from his point of view, it's an attractive, you know, team to go to, I'd say. You know, like you say, history and... Yeah. Especially if the fans are backing sort of, you know, by next season as well. So, yeah, I think it was all dependent on whether... Mm. Leeds stay up or or how they get on next season. It's it's a tricky one, really. Yeah. Moving on um, to another derby, London derby. It's Fulham, Chelsea. 1-0 Chelsea, mate. Fulham went down to 10. And in my eyes, the red card, I think it was a red, personally. But it was a red what you didn't need to do. Um, What did you make of that game, Jack? I think the red for me is harsh, I think. Um... Yeah, you think? I just think it's a little bit harsh. I think um, you're not. I think it's a little bit out of control. Um, I think if you see it sort of ten mm. years ago, it's probably a yellow. Um, I think yeah. the sort of VAR and that they always look a lot worse slowed down. Obviously, um, yeah, I think it was a little bit harsh mm. in my view. Um, but I'm not in the, in the sort of modern game anymore. I don't think you can tackle like that. So. Um, yeah, I think to be fair, first half before the red, I think Fulham was sort of. You know, holding their own. You know, they, Chelsea had a couple of chances mm. first half. Fulham were, you know, holding their own. They started to create a bit more towards the end of the, the end of the first half, and then obviously when the red card happens, it sort of kills them because they were, in my eyes, they were well in the game, and and then you sort of had to play ten men, and you, you know what was coming second half. It was going to be a lot of Chelsea possession, Fulham ten men behind the ball holding their shape, etc. And, you know, they defended really well. And obviously, it was a shame that for the goal, obviously, I think the keeper, Ariola could have done better in my eyes. I think he could have punched the ball out further. Instead, he's just sort of flicked it to mm. Mason Mount. But fair play to Mason Mount, good finish. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still not overly sold by Chelsea. Um, I think it wasn't like a vintage performance, but it was a win they needed. Um, they'd obviously not won in a couple of games as, prior to that game. So, yeah, it was a win they needed. And, They've got a tough game, obviously, against you boys next up. Yeah, it's a tough game. I mean, would, would you put Chelsea as title contenders as it stands, Jack? Or would you think um, I wouldn't rule anything it? out. You know, obviously, in football, anything can happen. But from what I've seen in the last sort of five, ten games, I wouldn't. 
Um, obviously, none of the new signings are really kicked on in the way they'd have liked. Obviously, Werner, Havertz, is, you know, they're not scoring goals. Um, they just, I yeah. don't know what it is about Chelsea. They just, whenever I seem to watch them, they always seem to maybe like be too slow. It's not very creative and it's very sort of samey, samey. And yeah. Yeah. And they're just, yeah, from what I've seen, I don't think. Their title contenders at the moment for me, they'd have to um, really change their form around and start picking up points. Yeah, I agree. I mean, another thing I've seen regarding Chelsea, mate, is um, the owners are on about bringing Avram Grant in as uh, assistant to Lampard. Um, I mean, what, what sort of move do you think that that would make for Chelsea, Jack, bringing Avram Grant back? I don't know. I bridge? think to me that seems pretty pointless, really. Um, obviously, he knows how to, you know, win trophies and stuff, and he's been at the club before. But yeah, I don't know if that would really make that much amount of difference, to be honest. Um, could it could it be a replacement for Lampard? If well, you, I mean, you never know, do you? Um, you, you don't know. No. But I just, for me, if he came in as assistant, it just seems a little bit pointless. You know, Jody Morris has been around Chelsea for a long time, like Frank. You know, he's been in that setup for a long time. Mm. Um, they obviously trust each other a lot, him and Frank as well. So, you know, and obviously they were at Derby before that as well. So, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. No, fair play. Um, another team what's down the bottom, Jack, played yesterday um, was Sheffield, losing 3-1 to Spurs at home. Can you see any any light at the end of the tunnel for Sheffield to come out of relegation or... Would you say they're about down and out now? I know there's still a way to go. Um, Would you write them off? I mean, I wouldn't write anything off, like say in football, but I mean, it's probably, uh, I'd say they're a good sort of a, a good 50 to 1 chance to stay up, I think. Um, <laughs> I think you're sort of odds on for them to get relegated, you know. I just, mm. yeah, I just, I struggle to see where the goal is going to come from with them. And then obviously they're very susceptible to conceding, and yeah, I think they're your main favourites to go down at the minute. I think they'd have to, they'd have to really turn their form around to stay up. And I just, are you surprised uh, Chris Wilder hasn't been sacked, Jack? Or do you feel like they're looking now for getting getting relegated and hoping that Wilder's the man to bring yeah, them back? Yeah, I'm not surprised, and I am. I'm like fifty fifty because I think he's done a really good job in terms of what he's done with Sheffield United. And I think he deserves respect and sort of to try and keep him up. And I think, I think, yeah, they'll probably see what happens in this season if they get relegated. I think he'll still be there if they get relegated. Um, obviously, yeah. had they wanted to sack him, they could have sacked him the way they've been going. So, obviously, they're clearly happy with him being there. But I think, yeah, like you said, I think if they do get relegated, can he try and bounce back up next season and uh, get them back to the Premier League and? Obviously, if they're struggling in the champ, then it's sort of, you know, same sort of question. Will he? How much they trust him? You know, do they? Do how much they believe in him? But yeah, I think mm. for what he's done and where he's took them, it's sort of, it's almost like a kick in the face if he if he gets sacked. Um, yeah, I I totally agree with it. I mean, going on to the Spurs side of it, mate. Obviously, again another win for Spurs, still in the title hunt. I mean. For me, Jose changed his team too much for my liking, but the winning games, Jack, do you feel they're, they're in the title race or do you feel they're not quite at it either? They're not like the likes of Manchester City, Liverpool, United, uh, etc. I think there's a lot of teams in this title race, to be fair, mate. Um, I think there's 
there's plenty well, more yeah, plenty more twists and turns in this season left yeah um, I think Spurs are well in it yeah yeah, yeah definitely um, like you said Mourinho he's frustrating sometimes because sometimes the way Tottenham counter with the ball is sometimes fantastic to watch but then my word sometimes when they go 1-0 up and he, and he, and he plays yeah, every yeah, you know what you're going to get with him but he's, you, mm. you just think the attacking talent on that pitch for Spurs like they don't need to be doing that go and do you know what I mean? One nil up. Go and kill the game off. Go three, four nil up. Then put your men behind the ball. Don't sit on a one nil win and try and play for that. It just, yeah, it is frustrating. It is yeah. frustrating. Like you say, mate, against the bigger teams, Jack parking the bus is not the greatest. Not the no, greatest idea, not, no. is it? I think sometimes if you if you're playing like a, you know like a Man City or Liverpool, try and just have a go at them. Do you know what I mean? You got nothing to lose, especially if you're yeah, you know, if you're a low, if you're like a the team near the bottom of the table, you know, everyone's expecting, you know, the bigger clubs to to beat you. Just have a go at them. There's, you know, you've got nothing to lose. But, yeah, I think I think Spurs are willing, willing the title race, 100%. Do I, think, I don't know if they'll win the title, yeah. though. I, I just don't know if they've got enough about them. No, well, time will tell. But one team, what I feel, what's definitely in the title race, mate, is Man City. 4-0 victory over Palace. Roy Hodgson's having a bit of a shit time at the minute off here with Palace. He's another manager what could could lose yeah, his job. Yeah, I've touched on him before and before about Roy Hodgson. I'm, I think he should have got a while ago, mate, to be honest. He doesn't excite me as a manager. Fair play to him for still being yeah. in the job at his age and stuff. But yeah, I, I just I think I've said it on here before. I think Palace could do the shake-up and get a new manager and try and kick on really because they're all sort of you know like same sort of finishing position each season and they'll go on a run of winning games and then they'll go on a run of losing games and they're always sort of in between and you know you, you know what you're going to get in the Palace they'll be there on that like they're, they're, they're sort of finishing the same place as last season you know there's no there's sort of no ambition and it's like yeah you know let's try and finish high up the table or let's try and push for the top half or let's try and push for Europe you're like, you don't really tend to get that but yeah, I think you're um, spot on with Man City. They just seem to hit form at the right time. Um, I think if you look at probably mm. two months ago, we weren't even talking about Man City. You know, they were like, what, eighth, ninth or something? And all of a sudden, yeah. they're a po- is it a point behind United with a game in hand? No, it's not. Yeah, it's and not I think, bad. you know, Diaz and Stones are just pin unbelievable, to be fair. I'm not the biggest John Stones fan, but fair play to him. He's been very very good since coming in there and they seem to have a really solid partnership him and Diaz and then obviously you've got De Bruyne who's always going to do what he does Gundogan's playing well at the minute um, Sterling yeah uh, they just they just seem to have found a nice little bit of rhythm Man City and you know they're, they're keeping clean sheets and they're always going to score goals so yeah I, I think they're probably looking a very very good shout to win the league again yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. I mean, going on to the other two title contenders, mate, is Man United-Liverpool. I was looking forward <laughs> to this game, Jack, thinking, yeah, going to be plenty plenty of goals, plenty of cards, plenty of talking <laughs> points for the pod. And we've and, and we got nothing, Jack. There's not much to talk about on that game. I don't know about you, but it's most boring. Yeah, game I, th- I think sometimes when... Uh, I think I've seen it before with these sort of games where, you know, everyone's buzzing for it all week and... The whole talking point is about the game, and there's there's like a build up for like a week, two weeks, and then you come to the game, and it's just an anti climax. And yeah, I, th- I think that was the what it was. I, I think obviously United <laughs> had a couple of chances. Obviously, Allison Pogba shot, 
could have done better. Obviously, back was it, and um, mm. Bruno had a chance as well. But yeah, obviously, I don't know whether it was a good point for either team. Probably a better point for United, I reckon. I also, I would have said the opposite, Jack. Personally, yeah. I would have said a better point for Liverpool. I think in terms of for the form, yeah. only the reason yeah. with, their, with their squad, with their squad. Yeah, mate, I that's think all. with the fact that Hendo was playing centre half doesn't really help, and Shakiri was in and whatnot, and it was a bit mm. of a makeshift sort of. You know, like centre half duo. You, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I think I don't know. It's it's sort of probably a good point for both teams really coming into the season. It's you know, Liverpool probably needed to win more than United mm. in terms of the fact the points that they're on. But I just think, yeah, it was there's quite a dull game, and it's, it always tends to be like that when games get hyped up. It always tends to be sort of duller than everyone anticipates so yeah it's a shame really because like you said I think everyone wanted cards everyone wanted goals and, and in fact it was the complete opposite mm. I don't even think there was a v- one VAR wow. check in the old game might not, which I think might not be a bad that thing must be yeah, a exactly. first. <laughs> it might not be a bad thing but yeah there wasn't really anything to get excited about <laughs> no definitely not I mean let, let's move on to our last game which is my boys, Leicester. 2 0 win over Southampton, Jack. In part two, we've actually got a Southampton fan, and he's from Total Saints Podcast, Ben. So hopefully we can give him a bit of stick, Jack, <laughs> on this game. But would, would you say that, that was a good three points for Leicester, or was it expected? I might tell Leicester him that I'm a Leicester fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking forward to, to hearing what he's got to say. And obviously, it's a different point of view, it's a different podcast. You know, and it's nice to integrate yeah. with a podcast and hear what you know, hear how they're getting on, and hear what he's doing. And yeah, it'd be good to hear from him. Um, in terms of the result, uh, I probably did expect Leicester to win. Yeah, um, not like not a certain conclusion. Mm. Not like a, oh my god, they should. You know, they're going to win this game because um, yeah, you know, Southampton are a good side, but I think Ings was missing through COVID, and they were missing maybe one or two more. Um, but yeah, yeah, Southampton, you know, they're a good side. Um, they're like a little bit like West Ham. They're sort of quite organised. They play good football. They always offer a threat. Um, I think it was quite a dull game, sort of first like half hour. There was a couple of chances for either teams, but mm. yeah, I think once I feel like once Madison scored, it was sort of always going to be Leicester winning that game, if that makes sense. Yeah, we're on. I thought we were yeah. on the front foot once we yeah. scored. I was a bit on. A, it was a bit of a squeaky bum game at yeah, the time. I, th- I, I think, thought, mate, when it was nil nil, yeah, could have went either Southampton way. Southampton were probably the team that was probably just about on top, and then, and then, like you said, yeah, once got a goal, agree. Leicester just seemed to go into cruise control, and then obviously, obviously, I know it took to right at the end of the game for, to finish the game off, but you know they had about four chances before that to, to wrap the game up, but obviously didn't take it. But yeah, yeah, I genuinely think Leicester have got a serious chance of finishing the top four again. Um, this season, and maybe, and maybe, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask you the question, Jack, yeah. when you mentioned Leicester top four, and I've interrupted you. Are they title? Contenders? I mean, where they are in the in the league, you know, they are title contenders. Um, which, yeah, <laughs> is, is very annoying to say. From a Jack, yeah. I'll just rewind that and hear that again. From a, so from a Derby fan's point of view, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> shit to be saying that, especially when we're sat in the in the in the relegation zone. Yeah, um, no, I, I think you know <laughs> we always say it. 
you know, sort of January, New Year time is it's a barometer of where you are so far in the season. And yeah, I mean, you know, you watch Leicester and they just keep, you think at some point they'll probably fault, you know, they're going to drop points and, you know, they keep picking up results. So as much as it pains me to say it, yeah, I think they, they do have a chance of winning the title. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they have got the legs uh, over it, especially if Man City keep, you know, keep that steam train rolling. Um, yeah, I mean, they do have a, they have a chance, yeah. I think they're, they're serious and sit. Would you, would, would you say they've got more of a chance, Jack, if uh, we beat yeah, Chelsea tomorrow Yeah, I think we'll beat Chelsea tomorrow night. I really do. I, I think Leicester are more confident. I wasn't entirely convinced, like I said earlier, about Chelsea against Fulham. I really wasn't. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Leicester have got a real, a real chance of beating Chelsea tomorrow. I think they're a serious shout for top four, uh, Leicester. And, I mean, the way they're going, then, yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be it could be Leicester in the title again. It really could. I mean, who knows? Yeah, if we win the title, Jack, I will you, not you become, will a become a Leicester fan. <laughs> And you, you'll give Derby up. I'll burn your shirt. I'll you burn know, the I'll Leicester shirt. I'll use it to wipe my arms. <laughs> oh, there's no chance I am leaving Derby, even if we're in the League One next season. So, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, at least you're still getting a nice trip to Millwall, this. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, going on to Southampton, though, Jack. I mean, mm. we can ask Ben as well what he thinks. But are Southampton overachieving this year? Would if you was a Southampton fan, would you be happy where you are at the minute? I think um, I think they've got a shout. Yeah, they've got a shout for Europa. Um, I think in terms of their squad, I think they've got a nice little squad. They're building building something pretty decent down there. And like you say, it'd be nice to see what Ben Ben's got to say about it and how he feels. And you know, he be able to tell us a lot more about them than me and you will. But obviously, it's just different perspective. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know if they're overachieving. To be fair. Um, I don't know in terms of that. Yeah. I think maybe that you kind of associate Southampton with sort of mid-table or a bit lower mid-table, sort of like 12th to 14th. But yeah, I think they've got a serious shout at um, Europa League. I think if we get Ings back, try and get him scoring goals again. Um, che Adams, get him to start scoring again a little bit. But I think they've got a very good setup in terms of Bednarak and uh, Vestergaard. I think they're very good. I think Walker-Peters is solid. Mm. You know, um, James Ward-Prowse is a good player in there. So, yeah, there's a lot of positives for Southampton fans, definitely. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, and also, mate, we can't forget that he actually beat the champions. Yeah, exactly, last week, mate. This, is, this is what I mean. So, they're, they're not... It's not a foregone conclusion that they're, you know, overachieving. I really don't think it is. I think they're actually in good form. They're playing good football. This season's been a bit crazy in terms of everything so I just think yeah I, I yeah. think they're playing good football at the minute I think their, their form is it has well, I suppose it's gone up and down a little bit but if they can get back to the form they had at the start of the season um, yeah there's no reason why they can't finish in that Europa League spot or try and aim for that yeah Hello and welcome back to After Extra Time. It's now part two. Um, joining me again is myself and Jack. And this time with a special guest, we have Ben from Total Saints Podcast. You all right, Ben? 
Not too bad, Adam. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. Even better after that result yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered how long that would take. <laughs> um, first of all, mate, thanks for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, no worries. Just tell us a bit about Total Saints podcast for a start, Ben, if you don't mind. What, what you obviously talk about Saints, obviously, but give us an insight of your pod. Yeah, no worries. So we've been going um, since July 2017, Adam. Um, so we started uh, um, sort of back then. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we just sort of take a, a weekly look at everything going on within Saints, really. Um, probably a bit like uh, Leicester. I know that's your club. You know, there's never a, a quiet week at Saints. There's always something going on. So plenty to talk about. Um, but yeah, over that time, we've just built a, a pretty good relationship with the club. So we've been able to get the, the CEO on the season and the managing director and Ralph Hasenhutel a couple of times and things like that as well. And uh, I think it's just, you know, as, as fans do, I think just looking at the sort of positives and, uh, you know, negatives, obviously it's been a really enjoyable season for us, but uh, it's been quite a, a tough few years for Saints, you know, as, as you, you'll be aware as Premier League fans, um, you know, we've mm. been battling relegation for a couple of seasons. Obviously we had a good uh, mid-table finish last year, but it's been a, a bit of an emotional roller coaster during that time. So as I say, plenty to talk about, but we try to keep a level head, you know, don't get too up when you win, don't get too down when you lose and just sort of... Uh, as I say, I think particularly during lockdown as well, it's given all of us uh, you know, a chance to get involved in football still and talk about it when we can't get to games. So probably like you boys and, and all your listeners, you know, love talking about football, love listening to talk, uh, people talk about football. And uh, yeah, it's just good fun doing it, I think. Yeah, that's decent. I mean, uh, I did watch one of your, uh, is it co-host Glenn the other night? Yeah, he was on there with the, the, the guy in Mallorca, I think, yeah? Yeah, and he does look like Ralph, I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He was, he was t- we did the pod last night and he was saying that it was really difficult because he was obviously recording, but he could see the comments coming in. And of course, all, all the Leicester fans were like, oh my God, you managed to get Ralph Hasenhutel on and all that sort of thing. So. <laughs> Happy days. I mean, going back to obviously when Leicester played Southampton last season, mate, you know I'm going to bring it up, 9-0. <laughs> did, I bet you didn't see that coming, did you? No, I, I think, I mean, I've supported Saints 35 years now, Adam. It's, uh, I mean, we beat Sunderland 8-0 a few years back. You probably remember that. And of yeah, course, you know, when the shoe's on the other foot, it's amazing, isn't it? But yeah. uh, I think it was just one of those nights, wasn't it? And uh, to be honest, I mean, there's been so much talk about it since. But ironically, mm. we lost to Everton a couple of weeks after that, which was real, real bottom of the pit. But I mean, that result against Leicester, I think it just sort of almost made everyone stand up and sort of think, hold on a minute, we're doing something wrong here. We really need to look at the way we're playing, the way we're training, you know, morale, team bonding, all that sort of thing. And they pretty much, I think Ralph Harvenhutel said at the time, pressed the reset button. And basically, uh, you know, from that point of view, they've just pushed on and on. So yeah, horrible night. None of us want to relive it. I think before even kickoff on uh, Saturday night, it had been mentioned about 400 times in the programme, <laughs> hadn't it? So uh, we're never going to live it down. But to be honest, I think from Saints fans, you know, coming up to the King Power last season and winning 2-1, mm. uh, what, three months afterwards, it felt a bit like redemption, you know, that we'd managed to really put that behind us. And to be fair, we pushed on from there. So never nice when it happened, but hopefully it was for the better. Yeah, Great. definitely. I mean, go on, yeah, go on, Jack. Yeah, I was just going to say, Ben, obviously that 9-0 game was obviously terrible. But I think I feel like from my point of view, obviously I'm a Derby fan, so obviously I'm mm-hmm. a little bit out, obviously watch Premier League and whatever, and obviously love football, like you say. But yeah, would you say Ralph Hassan was like, because I feel like, from my sort of point of view, when he first came in, I didn't really know anything about him, didn't know what he was about. He obviously went through like a bad patch sort of around that 9-0, but I feel like he's completely U-turned sort of your form and your sort of fortune around. I don't know how you feel about him. 
Yeah, I mean, the results speak for themselves, don't they? I think that's the most important thing. We all know in football that uh, winning breeds confidence. And if you start winning, then the players, you know, with all due respect to them, they start really believing in the philosophy and things like that. So unsurprisingly, you know, the more they've gone on, the more they tried to, to trust him. But when he came to England, um, you, you know, same as you, I mean, I didn't really know much about him. But ultimately, um, he, he said, look, I'm here to make a name for myself. I want to prove that I can get a bigger job. And I think we have to understand that Southampton are a, a small fish in a big pond in the Premier League. And I think he was tr- he was probably trying to run before he could walk a little bit. You know, he was being a bit um, fancy with the tactics. He wanted to play this 4-2-2-2. And of course, we had players that had spent 12, 18, 24 months battling relegation, you know, and now they're trying to... So they, they were clearly limited in their capabilities anyway. And then he's trying to get them to do things that they just couldn't do. So basically, yeah, he just pretty much had to strip it back and think, hold on a minute, let's get back to four at the back, start from there, try and uh, keep clean sheets and, you know, the goals will come up the other end. And that's basically what he's done, I think, just gone back to basics and it's worked. Yeah, I mean, Ben, as well, what I was going to ask is, obviously after that 9-0 drumming, was, was there any fans calling for the chop of him or get rid of him or anything like that or not? Yeah, I think you're, you're always going to have, you know, some people that react to it that way. I think for, for me, you know, again, trying to be level-headed, um, we'd sat um, Claude Puel, of course he came to you, um, Adam. Mm. We sat Maurizio Pellegrino, we sat Mark Hughes. You know, you can't keep sacking managers as a, as a club like Saints. We haven't got millions of pounds to spend. I mean, Mark Hughes, we sacked him after three months and we'd awarded him a three-year contract in the summer. So, you know, just shooting ourselves in the foot, really. And if you keep sacking managers, you, you know, you're never really going to get any momentum. But financially mm. as well, it just cripples you. So I think they felt obliged to stick behind him. But I think more importantly, you know, there's a change of regime at, uh, at the top in the hierarchy over the last sort of couple of years. I think they said, no, this is our plan. We, you know, we've spent a lot of time finding this manager. He's proven in the Bundesliga. We need to give him time. Now, it could have gone one or two ways. They could have gone on a really bad run after that. He might have been sacked at Christmas, but ultimately it's gone the other way. And I think the board deserve a lot of credit and they probably come out of it smelling the roses. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, obviously the squad you've got is quite a, a small squad in theory. I mean, so, so he's obviously doing well. Um, but now, would you say you're overachieving, Ben, or not? Or would you say that's where you should be in a way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we probably have overachieved a little bit this season. Um, you know, we got to the top of the Premier League, which is, of course, a fantastic moment for us. We'd never done that since it had been uh, created in 1992. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're right, Adam. I mean, we got, what, a squad of 25. We've got nine players injured at the moment. I mean, you would have seen the bench against you on Saturday. Sure. Um, I mean, we, you know, we're down to sort of 16 fit players, which I know, you know, compared to some football clubs in the world, we, it, you know, it's, it's kind of how the other half live. Yeah. I appreciate that. But the fact is, you know, we haven't got a massive squad in terms of quality you know man city you've got 25 50 million pound players we've got 10 you know academy lads and things like that so it is a stretch at the moment we've got a, a lot of games coming up as everyone has in the premier league so i think we have overachieved so far and i imagine it will plateau at some point but the the, the worry now almost is that if we're playing six seven games in the next five six weeks and we've got half a squad you know you can end up then suddenly down in 13th 14th and you don't really feel like you've achieved anything yeah because we before we obviously recorded this part so we me and Grinny recorded part one and he asked me the exact same question. And um, I said, I feel like, I I, I think maybe you are a little bit, but I, I just, because I said to him last season, Saints obviously finished sort of, well, I said like 12th to 14th, I'd have you in that sort of bracket. But yeah, yeah I just I just think, I think he's obviously, Ralph did a great job, I think in terms of, obviously Southampton have got like a, and obviously everyone knows about it, the great academy as well. And obviously the players they've brought through their academy system. Is there... Obviously, like you say, you're short at the minute. Is there any sort of academy players that could sort of break through at the minute and sort of like make a name for themselves? And or 
Yeah, I think so. I, I think the key thing for Saints now, of course, is that they've been producing players all that time. The problem, of course, is that none of them have really hit the, the heights that, you know, the Lalanas, the Bales, the Walcotts, the Luke Shaws did. You know, I mean, of course, that's a, a unique brand. But the problem they've got now is that they need some of these players to really come in and establish themselves. And the, the first team, that's ultimately going to be how they really prove that the academy is working. But yeah, you know, Will Smallbone's a, a prime example, you know, talented 20-year-old, um, but he's just, uh, he got injured on Saturday and I was on the pre- uh, press conference with Harzenuto earlier. He's done his ACL, you know, so he's going to be out for six months now. So that's kind of been the problem is that when a few of them have got a chance in the Premier League, they've then got injured. But um, yeah, I think he's won. Um, there's players uh, sort of, uh, you know, they're really keen on Nathan Teller, who's a, a young winger as well. So there's definitely three or four that are around the first team on merit. The, the, as I say, the challenge for them now is to really establish themselves both in the matchday squad and then eventually in the first team. Yeah, I mean, as well, Ben, um, going on about the team at the minute, I mean, it's a bit like a Leicester situation, I feel, with Saints. If you lose Danny Ings, you're looking to think, who's going to score me the goals? It's mm. the same as when we lose Vardy. Mm. I mean, I don't know if that's the sort of thing you have when you think Danny, Danny Ings ain't playing. Yeah. He's going to score you the goals. I mean, Che Adams has been a bit better for you, hasn't he? But I don't see him scoring you 20-odd goals a season. Nah, I, I think he you know, he started the season really well. He was forming a really good partnership with Ings and then Ings got injured at uh, Aston Villa. And thankfully, you know, touch wood, it wasn't a, a serious knee problem. He's then been out again. And uh, yeah, I mean, we scored one Premier League goal in our last five games. And that was, of course, Danny Ings against Liverpool last week. And I think that's the thing. You know, we have to be realistic here. I mean, it was disappointing to lose to Leicester at the weekend. But again, you know, we had a lot of injuries. Leicester are a really, really strong side. And we had to remember the week before that, we beat the champions, you know. So I don't think we can be mm. too doom and gloom about it all. But I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge. I mean, we've we've done OK in front of goal this season and they have been chipping in the likes of Ward-Prowse. Vestergaard, of course, has scored a, a few headers. He's been out for a few weeks. He's not due back until February. So I think that's been the problem. They've lost three or four players from the spine, uh, Oriol Romeo as well. And that's kind of just impacted the creativity and to be fair to Shea Adams Adam he's not even getting the the chances really so I think that's the other thing at the moment they've almost stopped mm. creating chances let alone scoring yeah obviously yeah yeah I was, was gonna say obviously you mentioned obviously earlier that obviously Southampton are obviously blessed with lots of money and stuff like that and obviously is there some is there an option for Saints to maybe sign players or maybe use a low market you know what are their sort of ambitions obviously I know obviously we're sort of two, three weeks into the transfer window now, but is there any sort of hope? Well, you as a fan as well, is there any sort of hopes for bringing players in or... Yeah, um, I think um, it's definitely going to be the loan market if if that does happen. I mean, uh, last week they announced their 2019-20 finances and a 76.1 million pre-tax loss. So they're not going to be the only Premier League club with uh, COVID that does that. So, I mean, they're still in a a good financial position in that they took a a loan out to cover the um, sort of um, what they would call sort of, uh, I I suppose, day-to-day business and that sort of thing. But um, it's ironic because I'm doing deadline day for BBC Sport next week. And uh, it's always ironic when they drop me a line saying, do you fancy covering deadline? Line day for Saints, which I do most windows because there's hardly ever anything to talk about, to be honest <laughs> with you. So, uh, um, but uh, I mean, last last year they obviously bought Carl Walker Peters in on loan, and then they made that deal permanent in the summer. They've been linked with um, Brandon Williams at Leicester. I think they'd be quite keen to do the same thing. But yeah, I mean, there's a few Saints fans after the weekend saying, "Oh, we need to spend 20, 30, 40 million. I mean, I think they're just used to playing FIFA twenty one, unfortunately, because that's just not going <laughs> to happen. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be loans if anything. I think. Yeah, I mean, going on to the players-wise, I mean, 
who would you be looking to bring in, Ben? I mean, where would you like to strengthen? Yeah, I mean, we definitely need fullback, um, fullback cover. Uh, obviously, we've got Walker Peters, we've got Ryan Bertrand. You know, really two really good Premier League players. Um, Bertrand got um, booked against Leicester, so he's going to miss the Arsenal game. We've we've got Jan Valu, who can probably cover at right back, but left back we've only really got a young lad in the academy called Jake Vakins. So I think ultimately. Left back is where they're going to need to do it. Um, of course, we've been linked with the Mari Gray, um, you know, as you're well yeah. well know, Adam. But I, I don't think that will happen probably until the summer, um, whether anything does happen. So yeah, I say full back first, and then they probably do need an attacking player. But as I say, I think they just have to appreciate, like lots of Premier League clubs, you know, it's really hard to pick up players that are just going to come in and improve your team without spending thirty, forty million pound. If they're available for loan, they're probably not really of much use to the team they're at. So I think we can't pick and choose almost. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, as well as obviously everyone knows you've had the players like the Lanas, etc. You always seem to make a, a good player, Ben, and then they always drift off. Obviously, Liverpool have sniffed loads off your virtual Van Dyke and stuff like that. I mean, do you feel anyone be going out the door? Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about whether Danny Ings is going to sign a new contract. He's got about uh, 18 months to go. So, of course, if he doesn't sign it, that means in the summer he's essentially going into his last year of his contract. Um, you know, he's a local lad, so of course he's Southampton through and through but I think ultimately you know he's probably proven to himself almost that scoring all these goals at Southampton does that give him one more chance of a I don't know if Man City are looking to place Aguero in the summer or something like that and, they, and he looks like a, a cheap English option that helps the quota and things like that so I think he's keeping his options open mm. which you can understand um, I think outside of that no I think most of them probably will if, if any other clubs are watching them I think they will probably want to watch them for another 12 months you know Vestergaard or something like that to say you know is he really worth us making a move for uh, and that sort of thing. So touch wood, no. Um, that's been one of the positives of us being so bad the last few years is no one's been interested in our players. <laughs> 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 um, oh, what I was also going to ask you, Ben, as well, just moving off from the transfer malarkey down to the managers again. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, um, Claude Puel come to Leicester, obviously with you boys beforehand. Uh, obviously, he had a great season with you finishing eighth, if I remember rightly. I mean, was that a shock to you that he got sacked and you finished that high in the Prem? Yeah, I think it was one of, if memory serves, Adam, I think we finished eighth, but there was maybe, I could be wrong, but like four or five points down to 15th or something like that. We just had a really good run at the end of the season, won a couple of games, and then we managed to finish eighth. To be fair to Claude, I, I think, you know, he was a lovely guy and I think, you know, really put his heart and emotion into um, managing Saints. You know, you saw the passion on the touchline a couple of times, but I think the problem was is just his personality, I think, in the changing room, and things like that. He just didn't click with the players. And I think, unfortunately, as you probably found out at Leicester, the brand of football, I think we scored maybe 10 goals in about 7,000 games. It felt like that anyway, to be honest with you. It just, we just didn't score many goals. And when you're paying 40, 50 pound a ticket, fans don't want to sit there and watch nil-nils, do they? They want to see goals. So I think that was the, the ultimately yeah. the problem. He kind of got, I think the club just felt they needed to bring someone in that was a bit more exciting. And ironically, we signed Maurizio Pellegrino. It was arguably even worse, to be honest with you. So you live and learn. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, like you said, you got um, going through the managers again. You also have Pochettino. I mean, was that the best time being a Southampton fan with the manager in charge and obviously seeing where he's gone now? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I followed them a long time. I've got to say, actually, for me, the Ronald Koeman season when we qualified for Europe was more fun when we had, you know, Mane, Tadic, Pella, uh, Wanyama, Schneidlin, Van Dijk. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was a brilliant side. Something. Yeah, I mean, uh, and to be fair, I mean, yeah, Pochettino come in and did a great job with... Uh, the likes of um, the squad that Nigel Atkins had before. But yeah, Ronald Koeman, I, I think just us being able to attract him in the first place, you know, he's obviously a uh, you know world-class footballer in his time and experienced manager. Of course, he's at Barcelona now. So a bit like Pochettino, they've both gone on to 
bigger and better things. So, yeah, I'd have to say that Ronald Koeman season when we finished sixth and got into the Europa League was a really enjoyable season. Yeah, I mean, also as well going on, obviously COVID's hit home. I mean, how much of a difference do you feel that's made to Southampton as a team not having fans backing them? And do you think that's made a big difference? Do, do you know, ironically, I, I think Ralph Hasenhutl spoke about this a few months ago. I think because he is trying to establish a set of set way of playing, you know, they've obviously got through this tricky period the last 18 months. You know, he's now started to really coach the players on the training ground. And, and what they've done is a bit like many Premier League players, they're renowned for this high pressing, but... They, they do tend to sort of um, retain the ball and, and sort of start again from the back if they need to. Now, I think they've benefited from not having fans there groaning and tutting and booing. You know, if they can't break a, a team down, they then tend to play it back. You know, it could go all the way back to the goalkeeper, which we know as fans, you know, it tends to frustrate. So actually, they probably benefited in sort of establishing their play without fans. You know, we had a really, really good 2020. And of course, there was no fans there from... March to the end of the year. So you're, I think there was a few Saints fans starting a campaign for us never to go back in the proviso we might win the title. You know? so, uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, joking aside, I think all of us, you know, the same as you guys, you want to get back to seeing football. I don't think you realise how much you miss it until you haven't got it. But uh, uh, as I say, from a Saints point of view, I think they've done okay without fans there. But I think like every club, particularly those that own the uh, purse strings, I think they can't wait to get fans back, to be honest. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. I'm just looking at Southampton's fixtures, Ben. I mean, you've obviously got Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup tomorrow yep. night. Um, but other than that, you've got three hard games coming up with Arsenal, Villa and Man United. I mean, for tomorrow's game, do you think you'll play a weakened squad and then focus on them big three games? Yeah, I think, um, you know, he's, as I say, I was on the press conference earlier. I think he said he's going to play five youngsters, I think he said. So I, I imagine people like Shane Long, Fraser Forster, uh, probably the centre-backs, you know, there'll be a bit of experience in there. But... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Arsenal, again, I mean, they're a bit hit and miss. They're playing Newcastle tonight, aren't they, when we're recording? So, yeah, again, if you can keep sort of Lacassette and Aubameyang quiet, you've got a chance. But um, Villa, I mean, Villa have looked really, really good this season. Of course, we had that brilliant game where we were 4 0 up, and then suddenly in injury time, it was 4 3, and yes. you've got your, you know, fingers in front of your eyes and all that sort of thing. But uh, um, United <laughs> are obviously doing well as well. But again, you know, we can potentially go up there and try and counter attack. So, I think that's been the thing about the Premier League this season. It's been enjoyable, hasn't it? Because you know, even as a Saints fan, you sort of think, oh, we're not going to get anything there. And then, you know, you go to somewhere like a, a Villa and win or you go to somewhere um, like, a, you know, Palace and lose or something like that. It's just really unpredictable at the moment. So I suppose the positive thing is we've got 29 points on the board. You know, the, the Saint in me says we need another 10 to stay up and then we can enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as well, going on the FA Cup, is that something you feel Southampton be looking to win? Or is that asking too much, Ben? I, I think like every fan outside the Big Six, you always look at the FA Cup and the League Cup and think, well, that's a good chance for us to, to get into Europe. I mean, you need to have a bit of luck with the draw. And I mean, we've probably not done that because uh, I think if we win against Shrewsbury, we then got Arsenal at home. If we win that, we've then got Wolves or, or Chorley and that sort of groups away. So, you know, going to Molyneux, for example, won't be easy as well. But I think it comes back to what we said at the start about the squad. You know, the more games you get you know it's going to be then sandwiching them in the the, the week and you then start struggling to sort of keep everyone fit and things like that so my heart says absolutely you know we want to have a good FA Cup run like every club does it's a brilliant competition the head says you know is it almost better not I mean you certainly don't want to lose to Shrewsbury but if we lost to Arsenal at the weekend so to speak mm. would that be the end of the world probably not but hopefully it won't happen of course no definitely <clears throat> excuse me and another thing what I wanted to ask actually Ben while you're here He's obviously Shane Long. I'm a big fan of. Why is it now he's not getting much game time? I thought obviously against Leicester you're going to get more game time than what he did. Um, but for some unknown reason, he don't seem to get in places. Yeah, I mean he's 
<laughs> he took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, to, to be fair to him, I mean, he's always given 100% when he comes on. And, you know, he's, he's renowned, isn't he, as one of those sort of pestering centre-backs that, you know, wins fouls and chases down defenders and all that sort of thing. And, of course, we can't forget he holds the record for the quickest ever Premier League goal at seven point whatever seconds. Yeah. But I think I think the problem is, you know, you've got Danny Ings, Shea Adams... Uh, you've got Theo Walcott, who's been playing up there and scoring goals as well. I mean, ultimately, he's just fallen down the pecking order. And I mean, he's 33 now, which is ironic for me to say as a nearly 40-year-old, but he's not getting any younger. So <laughs> I think that's the, the thing as well, is obviously Ralph just sees him as a, an experienced sub that can kind of come on for 15, 20 minutes at the end when maybe defenders are tiring. And that almost seems to be his, uh, his role in the squad now. Yeah, I mean, um, as well as we've had guests on the show, like I said uh, earlier on, Ben, um, we've had a ex Southampton player on, ex Leicester player on, yeah. Dean Ammons. Um, what did you make of Dean when he was playing? Yeah, Dean, for Southampton? he was a good lad. I mean, we, yeah, we've had him on the pod as well. He's um, you know a really good lad, and uh, I think you know he was obviously a captain for our promotions from League One and uh, the Championship as well. So he had a really really good time at the club, I think, and uh, it was a, a, an enjoyable time for him to play. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the good thing about Dean Hammond is he's a He's a hundred percenter, isn't he? He's one of those players that he's not the yeah. the best technically, but you know, if he's out there, he's going to run around, he's going to put tackles in, he's going to cover every blade of grass. So I think, yeah, he'll always be renowned for playing in a, a, a you know part of our history that was very successful, and I think is is well respected in the fan base as a as a really decent guy, which is the most important thing. Yeah, I wonder who was supporting on the weekend. <laughs> I bet. I, I bet yeah, I, th- I think he probably would have said he was going for a draw, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting because he's. It's, I mean, Jack, is there anything you I, want to add? I was just going to say it's interesting because he's been doing um, this season. Obviously, like lots of the clubs, Saints have been doing like a live show before games and after games, and he's been sort of, uh, you, you know, one of the summarizers on those. And he's been on every one this season. And he wasn't on at the weekend, and I just wondered if that was because he didn't want to say anything out of place or something like that. He's t- too busy working for Leicester. <laughs> there you go. That's what it was, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my uh, usual question. I think. Um, obviously, it's, I always use, I always ask this question normally, Ben. And obviously, if we have ex pros, I'm like, who's your favourite player that you've played with, or who you played against, etc. Obviously, it doesn't work for you in terms of <laughs> you, you didn't play for Southampton or anything like that. But <laughs> obviously, in all your time of being a Southampton fan, who's your sort of favourite ever player, or you know, you could be a couple for for you if you, if you want a couple, yeah. yeah. If I, if I could have tea, that would be good, Jack. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like every boy, that was free, my... mate, if you want that. I mean, it's <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I mean, I think like every boy, my dream was to play for Southampton. That's where I was born, I'm sure, like you guys. And uh, um, But yeah, I mean, the two would be, uh, I started following Saints in 1989, so I had the privilege of watching Matt Letizia's entire career. Um, you know, a, a fantastic talent, one of the few players to have scored 100 Premier League goals. Um, he didn't do much running around, he didn't do much defending, but whenever he got the ball, he just... Uh, banged in worldy after worldy. I think there was many goal of the month uh, competitions on match of the day where he was about seven of the 10 goals, I think, something like, like that. Sounds so, like me, doesn't <laughs> does, does nothing and then bangs in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, Matt Letiz would be one. And then uh, in more modern times, of course, Ricky Lambert. Um, just uh, again, I was lucky to spend an hour talking to him uh, on the pod a few weeks back. And uh, just, I think, you know, so many, uh, 230 games for Saints, 115 goals, two promotions. Of course, he scored that goal for England with his first touch against Scotland. Uh, a Roy yeah. the Ravers story, really, just for him, he even up through the leagues. And I think someone that, again, for all of us, with all due respect to Ricky, you know, someone that wasn't um, a prime athlete, you know, done it the hard way, had been released several times. And basically, I think for all of us that love to see just someone coming from a, a rags to riches story, I think it was just fantastic, the, the the job that he did for Saints. And then he got his move to his boyhood club, Liverpool, and sort of completed the circle, really. So, yeah, um, I think those two for me, Jack. That's decent, um, Ben. I mean, 
for all the listeners out there, Ben, where can they listen to your podcast? And yeah, no worries. So um, we're obviously probably like you guys on all the uh, good, bad, and ugly uh, channels. So iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you just look up Total Saints Podcast, uh, we're on Twitter at Total Saints Pod. And if uh, any of your listeners did want to uh, drop us an email or anything, uh, due to my technical levels, we're on uh, Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.